Everyone's thinking about AI. In July, Unmade will present a briefing where you can find out what it means for the world of media and marketing. Be first to find out the details at humane.au. I better spell that for you. H-U-M-A-I-N dot A-U. See what we did there? That's humane.au. Start the week with Unmade. Setting the agenda for the week in media and marketing. Today, turning up the temperature on betting ads. Australia's next top news masthead. And TV ratings controversy. Unmade. It's Monday, March 27. I'm Abe Beauty, and good morning, Tim Burrows. Good morning, Abe. How do you like my new microphone stand? I'm very impressed with the uh, the boom stand you've got uh, in the studio, Tim. Yes, it now dangles down in front of my face. And do you know, I've only hit myself on the head with it once so far. It is covering up your nose, I, I can see from my feed here. So I, um, it, kind of half your face is lost, but that's okay. It sounds good. That's the main thing. <laughs> How was your weekend? Good weekend. Actually, it was the uh, the Demon Awards in Tassie, as the listeners will probably know. You and I are based in Tasmania, and the Demon's... Like the awards that celebrate the best and brightest talent in commercial creativity, where you've got the agencies and the creatives all vying for uh, what could be argued as Taz, uh, advertising's pointiest, spikiest awards. So that was uh, that was held in Hobart on on Saturday, and we saw Mona absolutely cleaning up. There's a, a bunch of the agencies and creatives there, and Mona always does very well. Obviously, the Museum of Old and New Art have an internal creative department, and they do an amazing job always win lots of the demons. So it was a good weekend. Yes. Yeah, now Robbie Bramall, the chief, I'm not sure if his correct title is chief marketing officer, but the marketing lead there is, um, I've seen him speak at events I've been involved in organising in the past. Yeah, he's uh, he's, uh, one of the more interesting marketers out there. And um, I'm sure that modesty forbids, but was 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 Abe's on the on the shortlist for uh, for the demons? Well, unfo- well, yes, we were. Fortunately, unfortunately, we lost in the sound design category to Mona. They were first, we were second, third, and fourth. So, oh man! But again, losing to them is not really a loss, is it? Really, because uh, they're <laughs> absolutely brilliant. Oh, hang on. So there, there were four on the shortlist, were there? And you were. You had three of the. Oh, that's got to hurt. It hurts. But I was just thinking, as you were saying about um, uh, Mona and the marketing lead, I wonder if they'll actually start some sort of agency or it feels like there's room to have some bespoke clients that kind of fit with their brand and their their line of work one day. That could be interesting to see. There's an interesting piece of speculation because, yes, they certainly have the uh, the capabilities. Um, where should we start this week, Abe? Well, let's let's change let's change tact and start with betting ads. There's new research today suggesting the public has had enough. There's a there's a piece today which has been widely reported. Although I'm looking at the article that's in the Guardian this morning. Um, so this is a, a fairly hefty piece of research by the Australian Institute of Family Studies, um, and it's it's examining attitudes to gambling and gambling ads. Um, so this is a survey of uh, nearly 2,000 people. Um, and one of the key findings is that seeing or hearing 
wagering advertising was reported to influence betting behaviour in risky ways, especially among young people and those at risk of gambling harm. Now, there there are a few stats in here. One is that um, when people were exposed to wagering advertising, 21% were prompted to start betting for the first time. 28% tried a new form of betting. 29% said they placed bets on impulse. And a third of people increased their betting. So it, it, it all reminds me of some of the debates there used to be about the kind of tobacco lobby where the argument always used to be, no, no, we're not making people start smoking. We're getting them to change brands. Um, and what this, this stat suggests is that the sheer prevalence of, of betting advertising on television isn't just making people switch between betting brands is making them do more of it and it's bringing them in. Um, so a, f- a f- few other pieces from, from the reporting, the guardian, more than three in four people. Let me give that number again, more than three in four believe there are too many opportunities to gamble with 68% say gambling was dangerous for family life and most believing that wagering should be discouraged. Now, in relation to advertising, which is obviously most relevant for our world, 69% said they thought that gambling ads were too common and 53% said they thought it normalised gambling for children, um, which all starts just creating this ever louder noise that at some point the industry isn't really legislating itself if this is how the 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 public feels about it it's not getting there it's not meeting public concerns so um the, the the question is at what point do we just see the government step in and come up with much more stringent le- legislation so it it feels like something's coming here it's interesting how you say that uh advertising didn't was really bringing more people in and not just getting them to change brands which really is the whole point of advertising to grow the space although as you've said there's a lot of harm in that space as a result of interested to know tim thoughts on fast food and tobacco advertising though is that kind of in the same wheelbarrow so to speak yeah look i kind of think it is you know because obviously we saw tobacco advertising um pretty much totally outlawed um fast food we 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 have seen extra rules about you know the for instance you you in theory shouldn't um or or can't create ads which um promote messaging to children and i i I remember writing a ridiculous story in unmade a um couple of weeks back where one of the brands which I think if memory serves was Guzman and Gomez was trying to argue that this kind of bright pink message with tell your mum something or the other wasn't really aimed at children. Um, but it was, it was, it was found to be in breach of the rules. And of course, uh, you know, each time one domino falls, the next goes. Um, and the other one, you know, again is, is, is alcohol where, um, if you look at the, the, the way the industry is regulated, it's effectively driven mainly from the rules which are set down by the AANA, the Australian Association of National Advertisers. They've got the Code of Ethics, which are then kind of run by the Ad Standards Bureau. And they, they have specific rules and 
specific sectors. So, so you know, there are rules about betting. There are rules about what they would call quick service restaurants. Um, as I say, there's just really no tobacco advertising at all now. Um, so the the industry up to now has been quite good at self-regulating and holding off more stringent new laws. But it feels that in this case, it's falling increasingly behind where public thinking is. Next, a big news launch is imminent. Unmade. Tim, there's more detail today about a big news launch. Yeah, this is an interesting one. I've had a, a little bit of an eye on this one for a while, and the information is finally reaching the public domain, some of it last week and more of it this morning. Um, so Chris Jans and David Eisman, um, two uh, executives who deserve an awful lot of the credit for the fact that um, the nine newspapers, so um, – the Australian Financial Review, Sydney Morning Herald, The Age, the fact that they are still in print was really due to the rescue act that um, those two people and their team uh, did in reworking the business model of newspapers back when the company was was in its final years as Fairfax before merging with Nine. Um, Chris had been a contender to be the new CEO of Nine. Um, in the end, missed out to Mike Sneesby and, you know, not, not long afterwards, uh, moved on and everyone was waiting to see what he did next. He was helping out some international publishers, um, uh, with negotiations with Google and Facebook around the world because he'd been involved in that for, uh, for, for, for nine. Um, and effectively while he was work, working out his, uh, his non-compete period, he, uh, went into other markets and helped with that. But there was always the question, what will come next? And the answer is Skya. Now, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Pronounced S-C-I-R-E. Or is it Sire? Or is it Sire? Look, it's probably Sire, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, I'm, t- I'm terrible on my pronunciations with these things. Um, yeah, you're probably right. Let's go with Sire, actually. Do you know, I went, I went years saying News Corp. Uh, in the British way until someone said, but it's News Corp. And they thought I was just joking. Um, so yes, and I don't rely on me for pronunciations, particularly where there's a, uh, where there's a, there's a silent letter or otherwise. Um, anyway, um, we now know a little detail. Um, the fact that they've got something like, um, $5 million in initial funding. Um, now, the, the the detail which is particularly interested in the Australian this morning is that um, they're talking about numbers of about 50 journalists. So I wouldn't be surprised if we're talking about an annual budget of um, of north of 10 million. So this is a reasonably serious proposition. Um, now, there have been a, a few kind of... Um, uh, clues about what what we know of it you know i th- i think where it's going to be uh try to play hardest is perhaps in the business space um you know not least because that's the sort of area where you might drive subscriptions from and there's definitely going to be a subscription part of this model um so you know what what chris jans has told the australian this morning is that um of the 50 staff he's going to hire, um, almost all of them will be experienced business journalists. So this seems like perhaps the 
biggest new play in this space since, um, I don't know if you remember Business Spectator, which was the brainchild of Alan Kohler and um, Eric Beecher and um, uh, a, a, a few others, which was bought by News Corp back in 2012 um, and effectively folded into its business operations. Um, they also owned um, Eureka, which was the investor newsletter as well. Um, now, the thing about that one was... Um, it found an audience, but was generally loss making on the business spectator side of things. So it's a, it's a biggish challenge, but you know, there are, there are two revenue streams to be, to go after. There's advertising and there's subscriptions. Um, David Eisman is, is, you know, the, the person who knew as much as anyone in, in this country about digital subscriptions. Chris Jans is, is, you know, one of those, um, relatively rare things of, um, a former journalist who's also incredibly entrepreneurial, um, also very tech savvy, famously does a little bit of coding himself. So, you know, I, I, I can't say it's gonna, it's gonna win the battle or it's, is, is, you know, it, it, it's gonna find a place, but, um, it's, um, it's gonna have as good a chance as anyone at doing that. Next, an embarrassing stuff-up for the TV industry. Unmade. There are problems with Foxtel's TV audience numbers. Tim, what is going on? Yeah, this one's been um, dragging on for a little while now. And as far as I can tell, it's not really Foxtel's fault. Um, So there's been a bit of reporting that it might be the case that Foxtel is overstating its audience numbers. Now, this obviously matters to advertisers because, you know, they want to, to know they're talking to the number of people they, they, they think they are. And where the issue arises is you've got old school Foxtel viewers who are, you know, watching their sport in the traditional way, if you can call satellite dishes and cable traditional. And then you've got people who are um, also watching via streaming, whether it's um, that's how they choose to watch their Foxtel service, which is actually how I do it, or, or mostly do it, or um, people who subscribe to KO, which is the um, sister service, but effectively it's the it's the same stream of content and the the, the same ads. Um, now the issue for that is that um, Oztam, which is the industry body which measures audiences, has two different ways of measuring these things you know one for what it calls vols which is the kind of digital audience and then you have the main oztam panel which is how we find out you know you know what what people were watching on tv last night and how many of them were and that number drops each morning now for a long time we've been waiting for a total tv number this is total tv with a with a capital T and another capital T um, to kind of combine those two numbers and take out any duplications across the two. And this is the issue is that um, the way Foxtel has been calculating its number may be including a duplication. Now this shouldn't be a problem because Total TV should have launched long ago. Um, and the, the, the launch of it keeps being pushed back. Um, you might remember when we chatted to Kim Portray in the, um, in the podcast a few weeks, weeks back. She, um, she's the boss of Think TV, which 
isn't in charge of Oztam, but knows what's going on. And her prediction was, we will finally get the total TV measurement before the end of this year. But, um, but at the moment, it's just not great for the credibility of the TV industry as a whole that we can't at the moment 100% rely on the ratings numbers. And today's a big day in television, Tim. Well, it's a big day for me, mate. The uh, the question is, can I, firstly, can I find a way of sneaking away from my desk for an hour or so at noon for the first episode of Succession Series 4, which drops at 12 noon? Um, and I, 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 you know, I, I just love that show so much. Um, and I also feel like, there've been so many reviews of it. I feel like I'm the only person in media land who hasn't already watched it, already seen it. And then tonight it is the um, final episode for the series of a tremendous series of survivor, which I'm also super excited about. And I just got to the point where I, I had to stop watching it on catch up viewing and watch it live. Cause I was so terrified of spoilers, but honestly, I, I just think it's been such a tremendously made, series you know for you know we talk about reality tv as being this kind of um disposable thing yet if you look at the craftsmanship that goes into something like survivor or or in fairness you know even something like married at first sight speaking of i thought that was going to be your favorite uh watching the uh the final commitment ceremony tonight <laughs> ah well you're you're i i have seen a few episodes i've only seen the, the promos I, i've only seen the promos uh trust me on that one Look, there's no there's no shame in in watching popular television you know i, I kind of you know you can just uh, sit back and enjoy the craftsmanship but yeah i you know and that is the thing um there is it's, it's populist but there's actually some tremendously well-made television out there so um so yeah you know it's very easy to bag on australian tv sometimes but um but yeah you know this is a th- th- this is a day and this is a week where um a lot of uh well-made telly is going to go to air Well, that's it for today. We'd love to hear what you think at letters at unmade.media. That's letters at unmade.media. And I'll be back tomorrow with Choose Data. Don't forget, if you'd like to support Unmade, you can become a paying member and join the growing community. Go to unmade.media to find out how. Today's podcast was produced with the usual enthusiastic support of Abe's Audio. See you next time. Toodle pip. Unmade. Podcast edit by Abe's Audio.